I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. The school holidays have arrived in my household and Let's Make Art, a new podcast sponsor, has been a real smash hit. Their custom art boxes have gone down a treat with not only the little but the big kids in my house as well. Whether it's a miserable day and you're stuck indoors or you want to just have a chill day at home but enjoy the sun outside, there really is a custom art box for you. Anyone can have an art supplies delivered right to their door in the form of monthly subscriptions, project kits and supplies for a variety of different activities. Whether like me, you're a total beginner, an absolute amateur, or you've mastered the arts, the supplies and tutorials in each art box, they are designed to encourage, support and enhance your experience with art. Go to letsmakeart.com and start your next art project today and be sure to use promo code UFO art in the checkout and you will save 20% off your order. That's a huge 20% off. I've posted my special link in the show notes so you can go to zen.ai forward slash UFO art for 20% off. And thank you to Let's Make Art for sponsoring this episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and we have a special update. As I announced on Friday the 2nd of September, I welcome Ben Hansen, who is a former federal agent, researcher, producer and presenter on, among many things, Discovery Plus's fantastic UFO witness. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. It's good to have you on. I mean, you uh, broke the internet and UFO Twitter for for a day on the 30th of August, (laughs) um, landing a story out of nowhere with no hype, which was uh, a bit of a novelty, I think, for many of us these days. We're used to hearing these things announced well in advance. Not only did you you drop a new story on us to do with UFO, uh, a UFO sighting, it included instrument readings and video and the way you presented it went down a storm with people. So if you don't mind, for any listeners who haven't heard, could you just recap exactly what happened on the 30th when you when you got online? Yeah, so um, it started, let's see, last week. So we're, we're today on Friday. It was like last Friday, a week ago, I was giving a lecture at a local community center talking about UFOs and, and cryptids. And I had a, a, a guy, a couple come up to us who's been to a number of lectures, and he said, hey, I was talking to my buddy uh, in the Navy and asked if he'd ever seen any UFOs. And he said, no, I haven't, but I have a friend who just recently had a sighting. He said, oh, and he's like, do you want to get in touch with this guy? And I'm like, sure, you know, because I'm really busy. And um, I was like, let me know. So the next day he says, here's his phone number. You should call him. He's got an amazing story. So I called him and uh, we spent about an hour almost uh, the first call. And then throughout the weekend, um, because of I I realized right away that this was something um, quite significant in that we had a lot of data. Uh, We had a lot of different things that can confirm and and mainly because he's a former, uh, a retired F-18 pilot for the Marine Corps. So I'm a pilot myself. Um, I've flown um, in this area down here in Southern California, a lot where he has, um, but I, I fly it, you know, like three, 6,000 feet, um, over Catalina and in this area, but he was at, uh, 47,000 feet flying a Gulf stream 650. So what happened that night, um, he was taking a client. So he works for a private, uh, company 
who owns the Gulf Stream, and he's flying from um, Miami Executive to Maui, Hawaii. And he gets in the area of uh, Los Angeles Center, which um, spans the whole you know, metropolitan area and goes out towards the ocean. He gets to about um, 25, 50 miles west of L.A., and this was about 12.20 a.m. on August 18th. He sees above the horizon, well above where he at, where he's at, about five to 10,000 feet. Now, it's really hard to estimate, you know, like especially at night, distances and everything. So he's doing his best to, to kind of gauge. But he sees these red lights and um, he notices them because they've been pacing with him. He said they, they were definitely not way up there like satellites, but they were not conventional aircraft, but they keep pace with him for about 15 minutes. Okay. In totality, as I now looking at the records, it was probably more like 20 something minutes, but initially he's, he's looking at them and now he's concerned because they're going from the right side of his aircraft to the top. Um, so they cross in front of him and doing, he said, orbiting. So like circles, in the air and then they go over the top of him and then they go back to the right side again. So obviously he wants to know you're on, on radio with air traffic control. He's like wondering why aren't they telling me about this air traffic? So he makes a report. They said they don't have anything in his airspace. Nothing is a primary target, meaning, you know, like, um, they, they assign a transponder code and ADSB data to everyone who calls in. And if you don't have that, they'll get little blips on every now and then that could be weather, could be flocks of birds, or it could be sometimes aircraft that aren't required to report uh, in the airspace, but you are required when you're that high up and they don't have anything. So you hear the radar tape, which um, w- was really unique because this was such a uh, an interesting or, or concerning, I guess you could say, call into air traffic control that they kicked it up the food chain. And um, the next day when he landed, he got a call from ATC. This was not what I understand official. It was people who were interested in trying to help him figure out what this was. But they they sent him a copy of uh, an advanced copy, I'll call it, because it wasn't officially requested, of the radar tape and the communications. And then they told him it wasn't just you. There uh, there were at least two other, I believe is what, what he, he recollects, two other airlines who reported things who didn't call in over the radio um, that, that said that they called in because probably they're hesitant to do so on the air. Yeah. Um, so that's that kind of started the ball rolling. Now, what what I did when I got involved was he he did attempt to film uh, these objects, and and so when you mentioned the Twitter storm and everything going on here, it's a developing story. Um, rarely do we get you know sometimes you'll see in the newspaper pilot reports this, sure. right? You had that case in New Mexico with the, the missile you know, that was, it looked like a missile that was, you know, going alongside or across the top of a jet Yeah, in Utah where they said there was a large glowing light and, um, they were concerned about it. None of these had video. None of these had 
Some of them had radar data. Some of them had audio. In this case, he said after a few minutes, he's like in the cockpit trying to organize things and, and get ready to switch over to um, another frequency as you go over the ocean. But he's like, I thought, oh my gosh, I should be filming. So he did take out his phone and started to film. But um, what what ends up happening is, is he's looking at this thing. He doesn't review the video until after the, the lights disappear. So literally when I was on the phone with him the first time, he's looking through his stuff here and he's like, he's like, I'm going to send you this video. And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I captured something. He still didn't know everything that was in these files. And so that's a, a crucial point because um, if we're, we're concerned about knowing the truth and uh, the facts of, of what actually happened, the facts are these you have a very experienced military pilot. He's an F-18 pilot who flew jets, Blackhawk helicopters. He's an instructor. He's got all sorts of ratings and thousands of hours. So you have a very experienced pilot who knows what should and shouldn't be up in the sky. He sees something highly unusual concerning to his safety of his flight nobody just calls in air traffic control for the fun of it, you know, to yeah. alert them because it goes up the food chain. Um, that all happens before he picks up his phone. That happens before he starts recording. So something is going from right to left doing circles. He's like, these are not aircraft. He is so adamant. Every time I talk to him, he's now having what I'd say uh, witness remorse. And it's really sad because you saw the people with Nimitz, and uh, the Tic Tac videos, Kevin Day really experiences all this. Um, you see them almost regret reporting these things because of what happens next. Yeah. So um, I guess I can pause there and you can ask <laughs> some questions. I'll continue. No, no, it's, it's a really fair point. And you can understand, I think it was mentioned by yourself that the estimate from the pilot was these objects were five to 10,000 feet above him. And anyone who's ever tried to film anything, no matter how good your iPhone 13 is, we've got the iPhone 14 launching next week and you've got your, your 4K and 8K cameras, but anyone who's tried to film something, well, you shouldn't film while driving at night, <laughs> out a window, through glass, something that's 10,000 feet away, which when you see something with the naked eye and the classic example is always the moon, isn't it? You see a beautiful full moon and you think, oh, I'm going to take a picture of that. And maybe Mars yeah. or Venus are off to the side of it. And you take a picture on your phone, this £2,000 or $2,000 piece of equipment, and it comes out and you're like, oh, it's just a big white dot. It's exactly. never the same as what you see. And that's, you know, you've got to take into account the pilot can, can acknowledge he's definitely seeing something that he isn't expecting to be there. Radar isn't picking up. Air traffic controller confused why there's nothing there. And people are honing in on the fact that the iPhone 13, one, it does seem likely those flashes are the phone sensors in the bottom left, and you can't really make out what the other lights are meant to be, whether they are stars or whether those points of light are the indeed the objects. But at that distance, is, is he going to see the objects on his phone? Yeah, so that that's a great point, and that's what I was trying to. If I, you know, get time to to edit an update today, um, you're the first I've been able to tell this to. I will say, in my conversations with him, this guy is very level headed. In fact, he's quite disappointed because he feels like if it does turn out that the flashing red lights uh, in that are either the lidar or the autofocus lights from the phone, 
He's like, they're trying to discredit my whole sighting. And I said, look, who cares what they say? I was like, you did what you, you, you saw what you saw. And, um, rarely does anyone have video. I agree. It's a bit of a disappointment if you didn't capture what you were seeing. But as you imagine, like you said, he's holding this, this phone up. Um, the whole, the whole, um, artifact that's introduced with infrared, um, I do have to give credit to Mick West, you know, and, and I I will give a shout out to him (laughs) when I do my video, Mick and I have been texting all day and some people fault me for like, don't talk to Mick, you know, Mick is this, Mick is that Mick is one of the few who is a skeptic that has always been respectful to me. I will talk to you if you do not um, bring in the emotive, you know, kind of disparaging remarks and snide comments. And, 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 and Mick, I think is very, um, his intentions, whether we may not agree with them all the, all the time, his conclusions, his intentions are to find the truth. Yeah. Um, so when he brought that up, people forget, um, I'm kind of giving the whole summary I'm going to give later, but people forget that I, I took the advice of him with Corbell's video of the pyramid and I, I went and tested the bokeh effect, right? With that video and Mick was right. Now here's the difference though. People don't understand the nuances. They want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yep. Right. That it does not mean that Corbell's video doesn't show some type of unconventional uh, either drone could be extraterrestrial, could be terrestrial. Yeah. But the fact that it's amazing that these things were staying up in the air for 90 minutes plus, they don't know where they came from. They couldn't track them. They talked about using anti-drone technology that didn't work on them. That's unusual. And it's a national security concern. The shape itself, I think Mick pointed it out and we proved to my satisfaction that those objects were not necessarily pyramid shaped that that could have been a bokeh effect. Okay, so compare that to what we have now. Um, I believe that even if um, we're satisfied with with the the, uh, um, explanation that those red lights were the IR reflecting, which he presents a good case for that. I do have video the pilot has now sent me of other times he's filmed in the cockpit at night and no such lights show up. Um, it could be, it's not the exact angle. It's not this, it's not that right to make it reproduce every time, but let's say that it is okay. What that means is he tried his best to try and film something like you said, that was far away. And when he finally reviews the video, um, he sees some red lights and he's starting to question himself. Now he's like, I captured it. He's excited. You know, maybe, maybe I captured what I was seeing. So what I'm trying to have him do now is sit down and separate his memory that's not conflated with what he saw in the video. And this is always hard with witnesses, right? You have to have him take notes and say, think back before you even saw your video, what was your description of what you saw without the camera, right? And does that now compare to what you see in the camera? And he's very open, like I said, to accepting that what he captured, what um, not what he saw, but what he captured in the corner there may have been the IR lights. Uh, so it's unfortunate that so many people are just fixated on that because 
I feel like um, a lot of time is wasted at this point where um, we're tracking down other witnesses. I've got some really cool stuff to uh, to release if I, like I said, get it done today or the next couple of days of uh, other call-ins to air traffic control, other pilots who may have seen things. And um, I, I think the witness testimony should not be discredited solely because we had a piece of physical evidence that can be explained because they're two different things. You know, it'd be nice if it correlated, but if it doesn't, we still have all this other stuff. Folks, at the start of this year, I got a bit of a health scare and it kick-started me to getting fitter, healthier and generally looking after myself better. A healthier breakfast was high on my priority list and it should be for you too. Magic Spoon is the perfect way to get in your morning protein, eating cereal that tastes like it did when you were a kid without all the bad stuff. I can promise you there is nothing unidentified in this cereal. The variety pack has four flavours including cocoa, fruity, frosted and peanut butter. This pack has 0 grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only 4 net grams of carbs. There are only 140 calories per serving. It's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free and low carb. It's delicious but super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings, afternoons or actually any time of day. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash that UFO to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code that UFO at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee, so if for any reason you don't like it, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com forward slash that UFO and use that code that UFO to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, there's two things for me that the video that does help with, uh, and also another point I want to make, that one, the video helps point out exactly where the objects were because they're not on radar. And we can see, I think you point out really clearly in talking about it, that it looks like downtown Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So you can see from the video the, the kind of the coastal line and that can help you work out, ah, so the objects were up at that point of the sky because they're not showing up on radar. So it does give you some kind of extra visual clue that you would rather have than not have. But I think secondly, again, those types of reactions just serve to, you, you talk about that witness remorse that people don't want to come forward. And I can see a lot of comments on that Twitter thread of people who are skeptical and rightly so about you know any type of event when it's largely down to testimony but they want to hear from the two commercial pilots now what's the likelihood of those two commercial pilots actually coming forward if they by chance go on see your reporting they see those comments they see the reaction and then think well i'm not going to get shot down in flames for yeah. for coming out and telling <laughs> what i saw so it just it just goes to to stop us getting that additional information or is that something that you've managed to get any kind of leads with in terms of, of those pilots? Well, um, what, what I have and, uh, you know, what, what I hope to be able to release later was, um, not from the call-ins the next day. These were actually pilots who reported stuff on the air later. And, um, so that's even more unique because that could mean that we have up to three different airlines who spotted something. Um, and, and it could be the same event. It was, it was quite a bit later, but the same area. So 
Um, we've got that. The other thing is uh, yesterday I filed a FOIA request, Freedom Information Act, and I'm filing a second portion today um, related to not just the radar data, but um, the communications and stuff like that. So those things can take a while to get back. So even if, if within that it says, hey, such and such airline called us or whatever, you're exactly right. Um, they're under no obligation to talk to us. And you'd have to have somebody with the airline say, hey, I know who those pilots were. And then they've got to voluntarily want to come forward and talk. Um, it's not just the pilots. We were looking for passengers. You know, it's mm-hmm. very likely that this, um, these planes, as they're flying, someone could have seen something out the right or the left side of the planes. You also have to remember they're at much different altitudes. This was 47,000 feet, which is one of the highest um, assigned altitudes that they will give you. And it seems like the other planes were at least, um, you know, more in the range of like 39,000 feet or, or things like that, which it may not seem like a lot, but five to 10,000 feet can make a big difference in what you pay attention to, you know, depending on how, how, what the size of these objects were, what they were doing. Yeah. So um, that's where we're at now with it. Um, you know, you, you'd made a point about that hesitancy <laughs> and, and I, I really do feel bad. Um, I, I totally see it from all sides though. I see people wanting to have the whole enchilada, right? <laughs> they want witnesses. They want video. It would be awesome if that were the case, but just because we don't have all of that and, um, and perhaps the video doesn't corroborate you know, like you said, there's there's um, merit in the fact that he tried and that we're getting a picture of kind of the layout of it. But um, to me, um, witness testimony still is the most crucial. When you have very credible people, um, technology is catching up, but it's still not there. It's uh, I, I could I've got night vision. I sell night vision and thermal cameras. The chance that I'm going to have that ready to go and with me when these things happen is very rare. I, I've had incredible sightings and, and just really briefly um, coming from that same area, coming in from the ocean here where I live in Huntington Beach, I had a sighting of a black silent triangle one night and it flew over my head at, at a thousand feet. And um, I don't expect people just to take me for my word, mm-hmm. but because I saw what I saw and it was extremely unusual um, and I didn't get video of it, right? I can't just dismiss people's testimonies out of hand and say, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I get it. We weren't there. But I think it, it means something with this, this pilot's background and his credentials that we should take notice of it. And uh, oh my gosh, if anyone's paying attention to the news, you know, and seeing everything that's coming out of it, that alone should should let us take pause and not just dismiss these things because this is a hot spot area. There's a lot going on out there. Uh, I've got a couple more questions, and l- let me assure you, I would never be one to scoop someone's story. So I'm not going to put this out until you've you've posted your own update. I wouldn't want to do that to you. It's, <laughs> it's your story to break. Um, the pilot himself, I've, I've, again, people noted that he sounded very calm. He's retired F-18. He's been around the block. Former Marine Corps. 
some people suggested he may have had sightings like this in the past and maybe wasn't as surprised as you would expect. Is that something you've managed to ask the pilot at all? If it's maybe not his first rodeo in terms of UFO he sightings? He's never had a sighting, according to what he told me. He's never seen anything like this before. Um, I think, did I mention this before? Not sure if I did. But what we're going to do, um, if you'll agree to it, I would like... Um, not too long. It might take a couple weeks because I'm, excuse me, i got other things going on, but I would like to do an on-camera interview with him and get into some of those things. When he was on the Eastern Seaboard, um, he told me he had at least two intercepts where he was scrambled, okay, flying an F-18. They're doing exercises right out there where, um, uh, was that the, the, the Lincoln? I'm trying to remember the, the ship that was, uh, you know, like, involved in a lot of that at any rate he was scrambled to a location for an intercept and he said these things would go from like twenty-five thousand feet down to five thousand feet almost instantly and they get about a mile close to them and then they would just disappear so mm -hmm. he had at least two incidents like that where he didn't visually see them but they were on his radar so um he's been in that world i think he's had an open mind to it but um he's also very level-headed and like, like he keep telling people he's not prone to wanting to see UFOs or having this bias because, uh, he has, has not actually seen anything until now. And he was calm, but it, he kept calling in. If you listen to the radio, the, the controller's like, um, nope, sorry. Still haven't seen anything in radio. He's bugged about it. He's, he wants to know. And, and this guy now is so dedicated. He's told me, he's like, I'm so frustrated if I didn't actually capture that on video. He's like, I'm going to get the best um, filming equipment that I can possibly get and put it on my dash. And I'm going to film every single flight from <laughs> here on out. He's like, I'm going to capture something. He's that adamant because when people have sightings like this, some for some people, it can get them to completely change, uh, you know, their, their, their kind of paradigm and, and, you know, view of, of, uh, of life. And he, he wants evidence, I guess, to kind of, um, uh, in, in a way, uh, get some sort of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, closure, yeah. like, well, I mean, because of the criticism and everything that he's getting from people, vindication, you know, like, vindication yeah i guess you could say that you know because he himself doesn't need to be convinced that he saw something unusual but you know i keep telling to him i said man i've been through this i've been through it with so many different witnesses and things it doesn't matter you know what you saw right so it doesn't matter what other people say the only reason that we're putting this out there is because there could be other witnesses and i do think people need to know what's going on we're actually working, you know, behind the scenes, like I've mentioned, um, through uh, not me directly, but through others who are pre presenting things to Congress, who are going to be putting on the next, you know, hearings. And so they need this information. So there's there's a bigger thing. He's like, you're right. He keeps saying, I said, this is bigger than you, man. This is much bigger than you. It's not just about what you saw and making you feel better. Um, it's everybody working together to try to figure out what this is. And ultimately, I would rather have someone's attempted 
filming of of a sighting than they don't attempt to film it because I know when I saw my own black triangle December 2019 I was driving it was about 100 feet above my car someone else had actually stopped it someone else I've, I've not told the story for a while so I'll share it quickly as we finish off um, I was driving along a kind of back country road 6 p.m winter in the UK very clear night um, and it's near an airport, so I'm used to seeing aircraft, but it wasn't anywhere near the normal flight path it would be. It was almost like it was coming along the road, and I thought it was an airplane, and lots of lots of cars going up and down a very, very busy road. And I noticed these two points of light, and this is six months before I started the podcast and even thought about it, but always had an interest in UFOs, so looking up at the sky as you do. And I caught these two points of light. Oh, there's an aircraft, and go along a bit further. Ah, two points of light are still there expecting it to get closer to me and it, it wasn't moving towards me at the same way I was moving towards it and I notice as I get near the the right turn I need to make a white van had pulled over and the white van guy was hanging out the side of his van looking up <laughs> and that made me kind of look and I didn't have a, a sunroof on the car I had a crappy little Audi very cheap little banger 10 year old car and I noticed the, the two points of light were the back of a triangle but there was nothing on the front of it and it was just sitting, really, just just sitting. And I say quietly, I was inside a car, I wouldn't have heard it, but I saw this guy looking up and I drove past and I remember catching it in my rear view mirror. I missed my turn off, turned into this first random farmhouse that I could, that was very close by. And I always I always said, this old couple came outside wondering why I'd pulled onto their drive. And they said to me, like, yeah, can we help you? I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm just reversing back onto the road. There's a a thing in the sky up there and I pointed along and I just remember this old guy just kind of looked and went oh yeah so there is and he just turned to me and said it just shows you there's other stuff out there and then <laughs> waved and went back into his house with his wife so wow. this, this whole time my first thought and feeling when I saw this wasn't I'm going to film it one it would have been two tiny points of light even if my camera picked it up and I would have been driving and holding a camera to the dashboard and um, but I I phoned my wife and talked her through this as I was seeing this thing. And she was kind of like, all right, okay. And I'm like, but it's still there. And I remember when I turned back onto the road, I could see it starting to move off diagonally over the tops of these trees that must be about 100 foot high. So that's why I could always tell how how kind of where it was. Another light had come on the front of it and it was like flashing sporadically. It moved diagonally. And as you go over that, that treetop, it's an expanse of fields where there's no trees, no nothing, and you would just see it. And I, I got the car back along, turned the corner, and there was nothing. Couldn't see it. It was gone. And I would never have seen it against the night sky had I not passed underneath it and saw those two points of light. And it would have just been there sitting, wow. and you would never have noticed it. Um, that but is for so me, close, too. <laughs> That's incredible. I always wish I tried to film it, but or even like stop, like stopped underneath it and looked up and camera it out, but yeah well it's you amazing know, how often that happens. these things happen so quickly the my sighting was probably no more than i don't know seven seconds or so because it was moving so fast and i had another one that was way up there you know in orbit and it was doing s turns and, and i didn't have my phone you know so it's it, it, it i know exactly what you're saying a lot of people there's a delay because you're so mesmerized you want to take your eyes off of it and then if it stays up there for 10 15 minutes most people eventually think oh i should try filming it but um as good as as the phones are getting you're exactly right the the quality just is so underwhelming you know to try and capture this stuff so 
we try, we encourage people. And, and on that, my little PSA note is firm uh, or film horizontally, if you can, not vertically. <laughs> it yeah, makes okay, better yeah. use of the pixels. <laughs> and um, try to give some reference to your video. So you include other things, the trees, the horizon. Um, you know, don't just zoom in as far as you can. And all we have is a dot in a black sky. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and I, I do think that technology is helping, but I've always said it's a two edged sword, you know, it, it's our best friend, but it's our worst enemy. And this is a, a, a perfect example of that because people now are shifting towards the technology has got to tell us what the story is. Right. When when I think it, it minimizes what the evidence of the witness is and that don't let anyone tell you that's not evidence. Right. You take the credibility of the person. People can be put to death in court by the testimony of one witness. Right. You know, for a murder or something. So um, we it's just that we're so used to seeing um, the CSI effect I talk about, you know, in Hollywood. It's like, well. If there was a, let's say a, a rape, you know, that happens and CSI, they come in with that UV light, they look around and they see stuff and they take it to court and they've got DNA evidence, all this stuff. Very rarely do you have DNA evidence, you know, coupled with um, other types of physical trace evidence in a case. What makes the case is the witness testimony, you know, and so. And I, I know because I used to investigate, you know, sex crimes. So it, it does create a problem. And um, I'd like to see it kind of reeled back and, and assessing the credibility of witnesses. If we happen to get, you know, film of it, excellent, because all of us want it. We want to dig into it. We want to analyze it. We want to look at everything. But um, I think that's why the Nimitz case especially was kind of the turning point for a lot of media. You finally had you know, thermal cameras and credible witnesses, you know, and still, still people are like, well, why is it black and white? Why is it such crappy, you know, you know, footage? Yeah. And I'm like, you're talking about cameras that are hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's black and white because it's seeing heat signatures. Okay. It's not your 4k camera that's supposed to pick up uh, anyways, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, no, you're right. And at the end of the day, you make the point as well that in all of this, we're looking for extraterrestrial hypotheses. We're looking for non-human intelligence. We're looking for that something other. There's still a human element to it. And there's still the witnesses that are coming forward and putting their necks on the line and just be a bit respectful to them. You don't have to believe them. No one asks you to, but you know they're coming forward and they're presenting something that many of us are very appreciative of. And that includes yourself, Ben, with the work you've done on this. And um, I suggest folks will check out the links in this description that will have Ben's update, Ben's original report, and also Ben's Twitter handles and Instagrams as well. So Ben, thank you very much for the work. You're welcome. Thanks, Annie. Thanks for covering it. And um, amongst my other jobs and stuff that I'm doing, I'll try to keep everyone updated and uh, we'll see what happens. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
architect hack and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf, and I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red. I called up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and they think I should see therapy, and I don't know what it is, because it doesn't really scare me. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's mission is to make podcast advertisements as easy and accessible to business owners as Google or Facebook. Host-read ads like this are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique to them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Zencaster's creator network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators like me. 
I've worked with Zencaster now for some time and they truly put the content creators and the listeners at the heart of what they do. As a huge fan of podcasts myself, and I really mean that, I love podcasts, I often buy products or services that I find useful to me based on those pods that I'm listening to. It supports them and there's usually a good discount to go along with it. So if you're interested in sponsoring this show or another podcast with adverts for your business, go to zen.ai forward slash that UFO pod one that's the number one, or click the link in the description and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life.